listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Ever since COVID, what we know to be the norm is rapidly changing. In order to adapt to this, your business must adjust and transform accordingly. For pharmacies, unlocking the profession's potential to improve patient care is where this opportunity lies. Today's product-focused role of the pharmacist calls for the industry to move toward clinical services. The focus will be on prevention over treatment, and care will happen in the home or community. As accessible and trusted healthcare personnel, pharmacists can play a big role. Happier at Home harnesses this opportunity by showing the benefits of expanding your pharmacy into home care services and how this is a recipe for success. Innovation and growth will help community pharmacies to continue to exist and thrive in the future. Home Health Care News, if you want to look this up, it's homehealthcarenews.com, just released a national article and study on April 3rd of 2023 that said home care company leaders are increasingly being challenged to find creative ways to solve some of the sector's most persistent issues while looking to thrive in a space that has more eyes on it than ever because of the population of our seniors. And I get chills when I read this article because I want to scream as loud as possible, Debbie, please help me. (laughs) We have to get the community pharmacies, 19,000 of them throughout the country, to engage their communities with additional services, which is home care services, because this organization, this publication caters to home health agency professionals only and specifically. And guess what? I didn't see anything in this article ever mention a community pharmacy, which tells me, Debbie Marcello, you are an innovator of community pharmacy, and, and I'm excited to have Happier at Home PRN. So, Welcome back. I can't believe it's been, what, 30 days or or less than than our last uh, episode. It has been, and I'm so excited. And okay, so maybe I'm the innovator, but it is by the vessels of all of the community pharmacy owners that it's expanding and helping these community, um, the communities themselves and increasing their quality of care, helping the healthcare system, making those connections with the uh, doctor's offices and the transitional care units. And really uh, as a pharmacist and pharmacy owner, being able to leverage your expertise in a way that you can, but usually and traditionally hasn't been done before. So it is a really important thing to be able to reinvent yourself. That disrupt word, that's the catchphrase lately. Mm -hmm. I think that we are disrupting in our industry, in the pharmacy industry and in home care uh, because we are uh, connecting our pharmacy owners with their expertise and their clinical ability to the community and the healthcare arena to be able to leverage that and really help help their communities and and by way of that increasing your private pay source of revenue yep. so what a beautiful yep. thing social determinants of health is a buzzword as well there's lots of people administrators and even PBM consultants and things like that that want to use that word. And to me, it sometimes it seems empty, 
Social determinants of health in the realm of home care is literally what we're talking about. It's do these people have enough food? Are someone checking up on them? Is their house heated? Is the electricity still on? For goodness sakes, how many times is something happening that has nothing to do with necessary medication management, but it has everything to do with how this person is living and, and thriving and not thriving or suffering and enter the community pharmacy owner um, and in this case, today's guest, a uh, special guest that speaks from his heart, and he told us before we started recording that he is not a uh, a bull crapper. Uh, I like to rather say the S word, but we're this is you a PG. You could say it. I'll say it. <laughs> Bullshitter. So it's Doctor. He, he is Adam. no bullshitter. That's right. Okay, no bullshitter. it is Adam Robinson, Great. extraordinaire Pharmacy fifty. Uh, yeah, Pharmacy 50. Yeah, yeah. thank you guys for having me. Just an incredible innovator talking about innovation. Um, the owner of multiple locations of pharmacies, uh, Save Right Drugs, pharmacist, and he's impressive. You talk about entrepreneurial, this is Adam. Mm. And so he is our guest today, and I'm so excited to talk with him and hear his story. I want everyone who's listening to be able to glean uh, information on how Adam has grown his practices and uh, locations, his ideas for the future. Uh, and just, I, he, he's going to give us some real information about how he's made decisions and a little background about himself. So Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's an honor and uh, your words are too kind. Uh, I don't, I'm not that kind of guy. I just kind of just a normal dude. Right. And, uh, but when you guys say that stuff, it, it lets me reflect and say, you know what, we are, we are pushing the envelope and, uh, and doing things different. And and I enjoy that. So, and I enjoy helping people and explaining and just being open and honest with them. You know, it's not always easy, but you've got, you got somebody in your back pocket that can help you. So that's, that's why I'm here today. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I always think about, okay, when we think about that scary risk of starting a new venture. Mm -hmm. I always have told my my children who a couple of them are extremely entrepreneurial, what's the worst that can happen? What's right. going to what's going to happen? It, okay, maybe you fail, but maybe that leads you to something else. Right. So, um I feel like uh you are humble in what you say, but it's hard for people to take the jump yeah. and uh make that leap into expanding. But man, you've you've done a great job. So, I I wanted to see if you can give us a little bit of background. I mean, just who you are, uh, what types of things you like to do, um, yeah. and just how you got to uh, the decision of getting into becoming a pharmacist to begin yeah, with. Absolutely. So uh, just a country boy from Kentucky, and um, I'm right outside of Louisville, Fort Knox, Elizabethtown, um, uh, pretty rural, and uh, that's where I grew up, that's where I call home. And I was very fortunate. Uh, God placed me in a place where my best friend growing up, his father was a pharmacist in town. My mom was an EMT, um, had a lot of healthcare, family and friends. And I mean, I was, gosh, 10, 11 years old going on EMS runs with my mom uh, in the middle of the woods, you know, in the country. And and I just it was just in in me to help people. And, and I just really enjoyed that. And 
I got to hang out at the pharmacy with Gabe and um, my best friend with his dad. And I, I just really loved that atmosphere. I loved, um, you, you know, one, there's air conditioning in the summer. So that's awesome <laughs> that you're inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, pay was good. Um, you know, we really got to dive into problems. And as a pharmacist, we all tend to be problem solvers, right? Uh, that's kind of our niche is we love to tackle problems. So uh, fast forward, I, I just always kind of knew that a f- being a pharmacist is what I wanted to do. And and I was very fortunate that we had one of the top uh, pharmacy schools in the country here at Kentucky, University of Kentucky. And and uh, I went to UK uh, undergrad um, and ended up getting into pharmacy school, which is a whole nother story in itself. We can go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> what did you do? Uh, what was your undergrad in? Uh, so at Kentucky, you actually did not have to have an undergrad degree to get into pharmacy school. Oh. And uh, so I, I kind of went towards economics and finance and some kind of business. Um, and I didn't get in my first year of pharmacy school. So that was devastating. Right. So that's the first hurdle that I had. And I didn't get in. Um, I was devastated. That was what I wanted to do my entire life. And um, finally ended up getting in my second year. And then that just kind of, you know, the trajectory there was I always knew I was going to do independent. I was working with uh, Gabe's dad, Jonathan, at his store and another store that he had. So I was constantly learning the business side and learning how to take care of patients and what are some of the things that we can do and compounding and this and that. So graduated in 2007 and a friend of ours had a store uh, in our hometown that he was retiring. And he wanted to know if we wanted to purchase it. And so Gabe, myself, and his dad ended up buying that store. And on day one, I took over as the pharmacy manager there. And and that was scary, too. So I had to learn how to be um, a leader. I had no idea how to be a leader, right? And that's a huge thing. I thought I had to be everybody's friend. Um, well, that's not true. You don't need to be everybody's <laughs> friend. You need to be their boss. But you need to be caring and and so uh, fast forward now, it's 2023. We've moved from that pharmacy. We've probably tripled in size uh, as far as scripts filled. Uh, we have a robust synchronization program. We're hitting like 70%. We do different opportunities that are out there, whether it's COVID testing or point of care testing. Uh, Kentucky is very uh, forward thinking with pharmacy. So they have protocols in place where we can do um, flu and strep testing and then dispense medications. And there, there's just different things that we can do. So I've always loved the the little phrase, you know, practice at the top of your license. And mm-hmm. what does uh, most people look at our license or, or the word pharmacist and think, you know, what can we do? And I'm looking at what is it that we can't do? And what is it that people aren't, aren't thinking that we can do? So that kind of goes into um, you know, annual wellness visits and chronic care management and all these different avenues that, you know, you're looking at the rule book and well, I can really, I can do that. Right. It doesn't Let me ask you, Adam, when you were in, um, in pharmacy school, mm-hmm. was there a focus on uh, either leadership or were there mm-hmm. classes that you took on uh, how to run a business, um, anything like that? That is a wonderful question. I'm glad you brought that up because no, there wasn't. Um, Mm -hmm. We had, I think, maybe one or two little hour long classes on 
basic business pharmacy knowledge, buying groups and PSAOs, maybe something like that. Um, we're starting to see, it seems like since I graduated until probably the last three or four years, it's very much a trend towards clinical, uh, residency-based degrees, um, where you're going to go work is in some kind of clinical setting. Um, and and so last year, I actually developed, with the help of the University of Kentucky, I developed a fellowship program that is specific to wanting to be a pharmacy owner. Um, there have been Excellent. a couple out there in, in the United States. Uh, there's none active right now that I know of. Um, so yeah, I got a pharmacy graduate. He's coming in here and I'm teaching him every single bit about how to be an owner. Um, on the other side, you were talking about leadership. Not really. I mean, they taught us at UK, they was very, uh, versed into teaching us how to be professional, but there wasn't a lot of leadership training and, you know, leadership is, is a lot of emotion and how to understand people and that kind of stuff. So I was very fortunate, um, that, Years ago, I joined in with the pharmacy group uh, that was well known with helping people with leadership and business. Um, and I become really good friends with a lot of those coaches. And they they taught us a lot. And I internalized that a lot. And mm -hmm. I trained my staff with that. Um, and I really I really used that. I knew that that was the main point of everything we do. If I can't get somebody to do something for us, not because I'm telling them to, because they want to, then we're never going to grow into our full potential. And I still don't always have it right. I mean, we still have turnover. We still have teammates to get mad and angry and all that stuff. But yeah, there is a huge disconnect between, and I don't even think it's just pharmacy schools. It's, it's really any professional school. I agree. You know, when you get out, um, uh, you have to learn, unfortunately, on the job and how to be a leader and how to 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 do these things. Um, and so there's not enough after school training for that. And I it hope, is that, I hope we can that shift that model. Yeah, yeah. shift that model in some way to, yeah. to, to make that burden less on people. But I, I know that for a fact happens with dental schools, mm -hmm. uh, those graduating from dental schools, yep. physicians, uh, here you you have this wealth of knowledge, but then you're thrown into something that people actually major in is entrepreneurship and right. uh, running a business. You major in hospitality, you major in business leadership and all this stuff. And then here we are with all this information to help someone and no really way to communicate how to help someone. It's, it is a big, big disconnect. So this is where definitely leaning on uh, the professional organizations yeah. is really helpful. Oh, I yes. know uh, Todd Absolutely. just went to a conference and I know those folks at NCPA, they, they have huge uh, support for you as well. And, you know, as a business owner myself, um, I'm a registered nurse uh, years and years ago by trade, uh, but owning and starting a national company of Happier at Home, um, one of the things that we look at with uh, our business owners is just being able to think outside the box, which is yeah. a lot of what you do mm -hmm. um, and why you're successful. So uh, 
being able to think outside the box and uh, being a leader. Mm -hmm. But here, you know, we're able to give a roadmap to success. You know, we are giving that support each step. Right. And so processes for everything that we do, um, starting that business is, um, it's a, it is a, a big leap. Um, but here, you know, if you want to expand into home care, you know, we have that for you, but you've expanded into so many different areas. Can you tell us the different types of things or services that your sure. pharmacy provides that are really innovative? Yeah. I mean, years ago when it was kind of a, a, a niche thing, you know, point of care testing is really big now. Immunization seemed just the norm in pharmacies. But when I came out, uh, there wasn't a ton of people doing immunizations. Um, so those are big ones that we really kind of pushed into. Compounding, you can, it's been around for so long, but it's had its ups and downs. Um, and, and really sticking with it and not getting away from it, that's been one that we've done. Um, but here recently, uh, a couple things have come up. One is I've kind of had a little bit of a consulting gig Um and really, it's just me talking to people and helping them the best I can. And I love that. Um, but we the, the the catch word over the last couple of years is functional medicine. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of hear that at all the shows and and all the um, anything you get in an email. And and so I didn't even know what that was. Uh, talked to some friends of ours and started learning about it. Um, I have a really good friend in Owensboro that has a functional medicine clinic at that uh, has taught us a lot. But when I went down this, this road, like you said, of thinking outside the box, okay, every insurance company, every payer, CMS, everybody's talking about how we need to collaborate. And they have so many roadblocks to collaboration. Okay, so it makes sense, right? Hey, Mm -hmm. y'all need to work together, but we're not going to help you work together. We're not going to pay you for it either. Yeah. So I was thinking, how can we work together? If I had a nurse practitioner, if I had a physician, it didn't matter who I had in here, that we could sit and really talk with these patients. Just like, you know, your company, you have nurses and assistants that are seeing these patients and then they come back and they talk and they do all this stuff. We typically don't have that in the pharmacy world. Oh, I have a great relationship with three of the doctors out of town, but, you know, do you really have that great of a relationship with them? You might be able to call them or text them, but... What if I had somebody in my pharmacy? So I went down that road and um, how can I do this? I talked to some lawyers. I talked to some friends that were kind of doing it and they were all kind of doing it different. Um, And what I found out was that you totally can put a physician or nurse practitioner in your pharmacy. Um, Where all the red tape comes in is insurance billing. So we're like, okay, let's just not accept insurance. Yep, private pay. Private pay, right? <laughs> well, everybody's like, oh, my Lord, private pay. What are we going to do? They're never going to come. And as soon as you say, hey, we don't want to accept insurance because we don't want anybody to tell us what to do on how to treat you, they're hooked immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found a nurse practitioner that was interested. I put her through training for holistic functional medicine. Uh, it wasn't that expensive. Um, she was interested in doing that. And we had a closet literally had a closet that I did immunizations out of and I threw her in it or putting stuff <laughs> on paper, but, and people think there's just this process. Like there has to be this very specific process to do. All, there's not, mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it, physicians, 
uh, prescribers saw patients with a black bag in their car for years, right? And we have to have an EHR system. We have to have this. No, you don't have to have all that stuff. You're just helping somebody. Um, And so I did. I I pulled the trigger and it's been um, it's been a journey for sure. I've had to relearn business strategies. I've had to relearn marketing. I've had to uh, all these things. Um, And yeah, finally, we're breaking even uh, a little bit. Depends on which month it is. But now I'm having to figure out, okay, now where's the money going to come from? So what services are we offering now? So it's really taken me uh, out of my comfort zone in the pharmacy world into this into this other realm um, that is just going to, I know, pay dividends and open up doors, just like you were talking about with your company, just how many different opportunities you have when you get away from the counter and you have put leaders in place to run your, your mothership, right? And you got to trust right. them. Um, and then you start really doing the entrepreneurial thinking outside the box and putting things in place. It, it just starts to snowball and it may take time. Um, and that's the scary part is you don't know when that's going to be. But if you just keep at it, it's going to happen for sure. Yeah. Having that vision. So you're the right. visionary for right. your company and getting those uh, people who are going to spearhead your efforts and having your strategy mapped out. Uh, and then just focusing on it and not losing yeah. sight and looking at that strategy all of the time yeah. to make sure everyone's aligning uh, to achieve that. Now, with your nurse practitioner, uh, does she uh, see urgent care type of patients? Um, that yeah, that's of- something we had to pivot to because um, at first, it, what we were selling with our clinic was time. We knew that the biggest issue that patients had is they didn't have enough time with their providers. Um, And so we sold time. We had hour-long consults. That's what they had. And people were just, I mean, they were giant therapy sessions, man. They were getting healed and it's crazy. And That's awesome. So what we found from that is they're like, well, now my husband and my family want to come. And what if I have strep throat? And what if I have this? And, you know, we put some different models and memberships into place and we're still tweaking them. We're fixing to change them again. Because uh, they just weren't financially viable, but uh, yeah, we did urgent care uh, where we live at. Uh, you know, tons of this is where our next thing is. We're going is Lyme disease, um, mm. so tick-borne illnesses. So we started doing urgent acute care tick telemed visits. So somebody would get bit by a tick, and then they would just get on telemed and show it to them, and she could look and say, okay, you know, hey, that does look pretty bad. We've got a compound we can do. I can put you on doxycycline. Uh, I do want to draw labs later on, blah, 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 blah. Um, And then now she's actually just finishing up uh, to be certified in Lyme disease, uh, which is there's not a lot of people out there that are doing that. And we we kind of made this goal that we're going to be the Lyme specialist of Kentucky uh, after she decides. That is so important. It really is because people just let it go. They let it go. And you you look at the CDC and they're like, oh, Lyme disease isn't really even happening. And. Mm. We've already found like five people with active acute Lyme disease. Um, and yeah. and it, so it's it's very, it's, it's again, it's allowed us to fall into these next phases and to shift what we're doing, right? We've mm-hmm. been very open with our patients. We've been very open with our staff. Like we're going to pivot at any time. You guys be prepared. And that's one thing when I hire somebody, I'm like, you may come in here tomorrow and this store may look totally different. That's just how I roll is mm-hmm. we're going to pivot. 
Or I might need you to jump in and help me in a different area. Yes, you better be prepared. And if you're not, they're hiring at another place. So, uh, (laughs) but that took me years to put that model into place too, is is to Mm -hmm. be comfortable telling my staff what to do. Right. Right. Um, And, and so, yeah, we, we have, we're trying to constantly innovate, learn new things. um, And it, it really all goes back to, what we were talking about earlier is I made sure that leadership was at the forefront of what we're doing and putting good leaders into our, to my store that I can then focus entrepreneurially on stuff. And does that mean you're going to have to pay them more? Does that mean you're going to have to bite the bullet and do something else? Does that? Yes. And if you're, if you're one of those pharmacists that's going to sit around and complain all the time that you don't have time, well, that's your fault, right? Amen. You've, got time, you've got to just make it and yeah. I screw up. A hundred percent all the time. It's not roses all the time where I'm at. Um, Very rarely is it roses, you know, but um, we have to go back and fix and then we have to do this. It's a constant back and forth, but I'm okay with that. That's the motto I chose. Um, It seems that people um, see that it's going to be a lot of work to train someone. Um, And so they hunker down and just say, well, I'm going to do it myself. Well, that is, um, that's going to limit your growth. So being able to, yes, it does help to be able to have that capital to invest in your uh, new hire, your new employee, but being able to get that person trained and established so then you can give them all of those uh, tasks right. and that strategy and your um, your directive with where you're going with your business is really important because you cannot you cannot grow if if you are doing everything yourself then you have a career. If you are able to be a leader and put these processes in place and have the right employees, then you're an entrepreneur and you're a business owner. You know, if you could step away and go on vacation and your business continues or we could kick the bucket tomorrow and your business is going to continue, that's a business. You know, if you have to be right in the middle of it all the time, you got to think about what's your succession plan? How how are we going to step away from here and have a viable business? So the first thing you should think of when you start a business is how in the heck do you get out of that business? Yeah. It should be like, how am I going to retire? How am I going to sell it? What am I going to do? And if you don't have that on your mind, then that thing is going to suck you dry until the day you die. What's your exit plan the day you walk into it? You know, I always appreciate that question. You know, we selling a franchise of happier at home. It's a, it's a 10 year term. So at the end of 10 years, you could continue on with your business. Or if at the end of 10 years, you want to sell it, that's great. Then you have that opportunity to um, enjoy selling that business and, and earning money right? from the equity that yeah. you've built into the business. Yeah. So I appreciate when uh, new franchisees come on board and say, all right, what are the things I need to put in place to make sure that on the other side of this, um, we're looking at uh, what are they going to be looking at when someone wants to buy this business? You know, yeah. so that's part of what we do as a franchisor or what I do as a franchisor is to help you build that equity and that wealth in your business. So then that could be a familial thing that could be mm-hmm. passed to your, your family, your children, right. or you sell it and make some nice retirement money. money. Right. 
hundred <laughs> percent. You know, uh, my business partner and I, Gabe, are are closing on buying a new pharmacy, and it's a small pharmacy, and we haven't done this in a long, long time. And I'm super excited about it. But the very first thing me and him talked about is, well, what's our end goal? What What mm-hmm. are we going to do with this store? Um, how are we going to run it and not be there every day? And that takes putting leaders in place and doing a fellowship and hopefully having a pharmacist that wants to follow you and just all these things start to come together exactly like you said. But until you take that leap of faith and say, you know what, I'm going to put priorities in line and learn how to do this stuff and know that sometimes you're going to fail, um, mm-hmm. um, then it really you're just going to be a pharmacist and that's okay. Some people like to be just pharmacists, but don't be a business right. pharmacist. Like, yeah, because that there's you're right. you're not you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so I, I hate that for a lot of people because they have so much potential, but the fear of of, of failing um, really holds a lot of people back. And and I've always been a you know I've, obviously I've always been upfront with people, but like I went to therapy years ago, right? And mm-hmm. my therapist, I was a what ifer. That's what if this happened? What if this happened? What if this happened? And and he told me, he said, Why don't you just put the word so in front of that? So what if you fail? So right. what if your marriage fails? Well, so what if you get cancer? So okay, figure out the next step. And right. so that's how I've always kind of approached things is, oh, I screwed up on that. So what's the next step? Right. If you, mm-hmm. you want to try to get it and be a hundred percent all the time. I would much rather have 10 stores running at 80% than one store running at 100. I can tell you mm-hmm. that right now. Um, and then that just gives you so much opportunity to help people. And that's why we all join this profession is to help people. Yeah. We can't do that standing behind a counter complaining all the time. But you can't. Okay. Then, you can't. I mean, you can do it, but it's hard. But. Right. But you have the ability to um, just be able to have that connection that you've built with the community members coming into your pharmacy mm-hmm. and really help them. You're, you're meeting them where they live. Right. So being able to do that and, you know, with our happier at home business model, it helps to reduce the risk of, of failure because yes. we already have a proven yes. business model. You do it. We've done it. I don't know. I've started the business over probably 25 times um, for, myself for other people, assisted people. So, um, you know, we have that business support, but you need to be able to take that, that leap. And, um, I, you know, I, I'd have to say in my experience of having our pharmacy owners going through the discovery process when they're interested in starting a happier at home business, uh, and helping people in the community, um, the, where where it seems to get jammed up is at some point when they feel like, okay, well, I just don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they just spent so much time with me going through right. all these details. The only thing was set up your entity, sign the papers and get someone to run it. That's it. Right. And then you're done. You're golden. Right. And um, so I, and, and I'm excited about it and I'm passionate about it because yeah. there's so many things looking at your uh, services that you have in your pharmacy with your medication delivery 
and the compliance packaging, the immunization, yeah. COVID oh, I testing. I haven't even talked about all that stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. All these things, how they just fit so, mm-hmm. um, so smoothly hand in hand with expanding into those home-based services. So all of these things, you'd be able to provide those services for your patients in their home and vice versa. You know, a nurse practitioner, she can act autonomously. She could write prescriptions. You know, there's so much. I mean, you're just creating an empire. That's my goal. Um, And and I have, we've talked in the past and I just told you before we jumped on here, I mean, happier at home is, on my short list, right? So clinic was one and, and some of the, uh, there's a couple other things that we're doing here internally, but it's on my short list to get in there because now we have built this foundation of, of, of collaboration and trust in the community. And I'm also a believer in, and uh, you get what you pay for. And so if there's something that costs a little bit more or whatever, but they have a a streamlined process. I mean, why Mm -hmm. did all these uh, pharmacy groups out there that had turnkey processes were so successful? And it's because they had turnkey processes. Right. Um, And you I made the mistakes in the beginning myself, you know, exactly. Way back when. Utilize those. You can't go off and do everything on your own. Um, and, and you also can't think that everybody's out to get you. And that's, you know, pharmacists are pessimistic by trade. They're perfectionists by trade and they're problem solvers by trade. So they're evidence-based by trade. So they're they're evidence-based. I want to see that. What are you talking about? Right. (laughs) And, um, you know, the, the people I talk to, they come to me and they're like, oh my gosh, you're so real. And, and you're just so comfortable to talk to and you're, and it's because I have to tell them, like, look, you can't lit, you can't do that in the pharmacy world. You have to take a chance. You have to be vulnerable. Vulnerability in the pharmacy world as an owner is key. Like, what is your end goal? We've talked about that, but with a patient, it's to make them better. Well, how are you going to do that? Okay, you're going to have to go into the gray area. Are you going to have to uh, call the board? Are you going to have to call a doctor? You have to show up at a doctor's house, text a doctor. Get to, like, yeah. you, you have to step outside your comfort zone. And the ones that are doing that are really uh, pushing the envelope. They're thriving in a market right now that's um, exhausted. Like we're exhausted market. And so we yeah. have to, we have to utilize our tools that we have and, Thank goodness for people like you around here that are helping us do that for sure. Uh, thank you so much. But you do, you you have, the ha- pharmacists have that ability to own your own business, you know, yeah. to have that business thrive. Not every profession can say that, that mm-hmm. they, uh, you know, can create a business around your profession. Right. And there's just, if you look at your customers that are walking into your pharmacy holistically, and not just, hey, they're here to pick something up. If you look at them holistically and see where that opportunity is to help them increase their medication compliance, which decreases their medical problems, uh, decreases falls because they're uh, non-compliant with narcotics, um, you can then see how you can help expand and grow your pharmacy and also be such an integral part of your community and really help improve that quality of care. And, you know, I actually, um, when I 
I do these little weekly videos I send out to uh, a lot of pharmacy owners. Um, and this week I talked about how you can, you'll, you'll strengthen your relationship with your doctor's offices in your community because you can be that support for their patients, right. uh, increasing their medication compliance, helping them with their being an advocate through Happier at Home. We have that care management and advocacy portion, but also helping them remain independent and in their home. So right. there's there's just so much that you could you could really provide for them and and strengthening those relationships in the healthcare re arena also. Right. And I used to market to providers offices and th and that's still important. But when I learned that my patients marketed better for me to the providers, mm -hmm. uh, it, it really shifted my focus. Right. Uh, I would tell them, I tell your provider that you need this. Oh, Adam provides a service. Why are you not sending this to Adam? And then all of a sudden they're listening because they want to listen to their patients. They don't want to listen to somebody come in and market to them. So when they hear it from their patient, it kind of switches the things, but that switches their gears. But, you know, there's always that that triangle they talk about patient, provider, pharmacist. In my mind, the pharmacy world, we don't give ourselves enough credit and Todd could probably attest to that. But we're we're like a, a, a spoke, you know, and a wheel. We, we are actually the hub. We mm -hmm. get to speak to every provider, right? Dentist, chiropractor, uh, nurse practitioner. It doesn't matter. They come and they talk to a pharmacist. So there's that piece. Home health care, um, uh, compounding pharmacy, um, mail order pharmacy. Long-term care. Long-term yeah. care. We are in the middle that everybody communicates to. And we mm -hmm. don't, we take that for granted and we don't utilize that as well as we should either. So that's where I'm kind of shifting my focus again. I've got this grandiose idea. I call it the big metal building. I don't even know why I call it that, but I want something somebody can walk in and they pay a membership, they pay a small fee, and they have access to every single one of those for healthcare. And healthcare doesn't just include, you know, somebody who's been trained medically. We're talking um, spiritual, you're talking mm -hmm. financial. How many people have anxiety because of their finances? All right. So we mm -hmm. hook you up with a financial advisor an accountant, right? Uh, maybe it's acupuncture, maybe it's a chiropractor, whatever it is, but they're all inside of this area uh, at a price that's reasonable for a patient where they get taken care of. And that's what you're doing, where you're bringing the pharmacy world in with this home healthcare world. Um, and, and that's what we have to do. We have to realize we're the hub of this wheel. You are just a little piece of it out there somewhere that somebody's telling us that we are. Um, and so I've internalized that and I'm not going to let um, something keep us down. I mean, we're I want everyone to hear that. That is so true. It just, you are the center. You we can the be center. the center. Thank it. We are. Yeah. Yep. We are the contact point of all these places. You know who knows that though? The big box pharmacies. Oh, they know they, they are. are. They know we are. Yes. And they are so, hidden. So if you yep, look at their pharmacy it. and they're, promoting immunizations well mm -hmm. you know they're big box well they're promoting immunizations because they make money on it mm -hmm. and it's easy and time efficient so and they make billions of dollars a year that's a pretty good model to probably fall uh, to and follow. you guys can do it quicker right. because you're smaller and exactly. you can pivot quicker yes. you know large corporations have boards that they have to go through they have to uh, get approvals but 
you independent pharmacy owners are able to do this quickly. You yeah. can be nimble. Um, so look at what they're doing. Look at what the big boxes are doing. They've expanded into home and community-based yes. services. Yes. They've done it. They know where it is. And mm -hmm. then you with your nurse practitioner, that's that's another opportunity. You know, here you, you start yeah. a happier at home business. You have patients in their home that are homebound. You're providing long-term care medication for them. And you you can provide medical services yeah. with a nurse practitioner. There's oh no reason we can't do this stuff. And yeah, very exciting. I'm with you. I'm, it's, I, I love helping people, but it, then it really, um, it tears me up when exactly what you were saying a while ago, that, oh, I just don't have the time. You, you don't have the will to put in the time. So yeah. let's do it. We're here. There are people to help you a hundred percent. Let's, we can, we can change this whole model if we just stop complaining and just do it. I uh, agree. Kudos well, to you for a, your fellowship program too. There for a <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm a fan I, of economics. I I've, I've been fascinated by economic studies and yeah. sociological studies and how that um, connects right into healthcare. And the, the economic side of this is there's a timing issue here that can be capitalized and can be capitalized in goodness for your community, not to capitalize to take advantage of a situation, but to cap to, to purposely implement a home care um, additional ancillary services as part of your community pharmacy because your community literally is screaming for it as yeah. the news. If you go to Google right now, pharmacy owner, don't even take Debbie's word for it. Don't take Adam's word for it. Certainly don't take mine because I love talking about the power of community pharmacies, um, Switzerland, uh, Swiss, Swiss knife ability to pull out almost any gadget necessary. But go to Google right now and put in home care services, go to the news section, and you're going to find five pages of news articles about how desperate our country is for home yes. care services. Yes. So, so just see the opportunity that you're picking something to expand your business that A, your community needs, B, is going to become a profit model not attached to DIR fees or PBMs, and three, positions you in the community as a as an entire uh, healthcare deliverer of services and not just, not that there's anything wrong with just being a ph community pharmacy because no. that's amazing, yes. but there's different things that are coming that the rest of the markets are paying attention to. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I actually keep going on and on about <laughs> all the different things and why we did certain things, but it, it all boils down to, we want to help people. We need to get paid, right? We have to get paid so we can expand into, into better opportunities. So if you're not getting paid in one way, figure out another way to get paid. Right. And there are yeah. tons of opportunities. You just got to do them. You just got to figure out one and start there, pick out one and go. Yep. Find your initiatives for the year and focus on them. And, yes. and that goes into leadership. You got to be a leader. You got to be able to delegate. Um, that's right. the first thing I tell my people I consult with is if you can't delegate, there's no point of us being on a phone call. <laughs> yep. So. I agree. Well, Adam, 
I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing. I love you, love your whole business model, everything that you're doing. I really, really love that you're, you've created this fellowship program on uh, becoming an owner and running businesses. It's so important. Yeah. Um, So you're really contributing. So thank you so much for everything you do and uh, appreciate you being on today. You are so welcome. I appreciate any opportunity I can to speak to to the community and just and be there for them and help them out. And yeah, I like to talk to you. I'm just no country guy just loves to talk. And so it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. Well, um, I'm excited that Happier at Home PRN has grown so much and, and we're getting some great feedback to the programming. If you're listening right now and you do want to reach out and talk with uh, Debbie, um, the website is very easy to follow. You can just Google happier at home or you can go to happier at home.com forward slash franchise and um, just hit the get started button. And it's it's really that easy just just to get started and reach out and schedule a meaningful investigation um, meeting with uh, Debbie and her team. Um, they want to help you be as successful as quickly as possible, and we can build out a specific roadmap plan for you that may be different for another community pharmacy owner. Adam might not have the resources um, in a 90-day work period like someone else might, but I guarantee we're going to be able to put you on a roadmap, a blueprint to help you get this in place and and making money and being profitable and being successful, as well as the things that are going to come. Uh, Debbie, we have to talk about the Lego set that is happier at home that you can bolt on other services in the future mm. once you yes. get the infrastructure. A, a Lego set. That is amazing, <laughs> Todd. I love that analogy. Such a good visual. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we want awesome. to talk about point of care testing and diagnostics and clinical services and remote patient monitoring. And there's so much that can be plugged into um, this happier at home situation on top of the infrastructure, which is our community pharmacies. I think everyone got a little taste of it with uh, all the COVID testing and it was kind of taken out. So remember that and know that that there's more of that um, that you could pursue with your patients in their homes, too. Well, thank you. Thank you for what you do as pharmacists. Thank you what you do for as pharmacy technicians. If there's anything that we can ever do for you, guidance, um, getting you someone that's an expert and in a facet of your business, and especially expansion in making um, the community pharmacy that you've invested in, that's part of your community, we want to see it thrive. And um, we thank you for listening. Absolutely. Happy yeah. at home, PRN. Thank you so much, everyone.